Weird Things is brought to you by patreon.com slash weird things. Support the show. Hello and welcome to the Weird Things podcast. I'm Andrew Mean, joined by Mr. Justin Roberts Young. Well, hello, friends. Brian Brushwood. You know what I respect is our commitment to showing up every single week. <laughs> yeah. Well, the glue that keeps us all together, Mr. Bryce Castillo. I am the I'm glue. Bryce glue Castillo. I am glue. <laughs> Bryce the glue in this cheap particle board. <laughs> oh, this is a nice particle board. They put glue in it. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Yeah, yeah. The glue is the best part, you know. I love that glue. Could have been working with graphite composites. It could have been holding much better materials together. But you're left with this sawdust. Here. Ask any preschooler. Uh, the glue, the paste, it's the best part. Yeah, they love it. Yeah. Uh, gentlemen. Uh, what a, what a slow last couple months for technology. <laughs> okay. I, 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 I was really, do, do, I was really looking forward to my Christmas vacation and chilling out in December and just knowing that the pace of things is this nice, even predictable run and how relaxing it's all been. How about this? You say as much as you want to say, and all of us respect the fact that we're not allowed to press you into saying anything. Can you describe <laughs> for us what the last month looks like for you? Because uh, just before we went live, I mentioned that we're in a curious position because we were a fan cast for a team, and then one of our members joined the team, and then the team became the most important thing on the planet. <laughs> like... Uh, uh, you drive. None of us want to mess this anything up for you. Okay, so full disclosure here, for those of you who don't know, uh, and besides doing this podcast, which is my primary vocation, by the way, and way of supporting myself, so please consider supporting <laughs> our Patreon. Um, uh, I work for a company called OpenAI. You might have heard of them. Has a thing called ChatGPT right now. Um, and there's the video I produced <laughs> there. Uh, so I, I, I think I mentioned, I work for OpenAI right now. And a year ago I took on, I was doing, I was working on the engineering side and the applied side. And then a year ago I took a job on the comms team. Comms team handles messaging and PR and communications, a lot of other things, which I was excited to do because I love to talk. So I am the science communicator for OpenAI, which means I get to help a lot with how we how we try to explain stuff. Like right before this podcast, I was giving a briefing to a journalist about a technology they wanted to know, like, hey, can you explain more about how this works? And so that's what I do is I go in and do that. And, and it's amazing kids like making, bluffing your way through a podcast like this puts you in a position where, you know, you get paid to bluff. Oh, yeah, it's this. Yeah, it's, it's, it's easy to understand. You know, let me just, I'll use marshmallows as an example so I don't have to throw all the scientific terminology at you, which I know really well. Um, but it's, it's, it's we, roughly we have, the equivalent of the way uh, uh, Larry King would say, uh, I never read the books of the people I interview because I want to approach them as an average man would, somebody who hasn't read their book. <laughs> yeah, like my... I'm going to, here's my job. I work for a company filled with really brilliant people who are super kind and generous with their, with their time. And so somebody says, Hey, how would you explain this? So I go to world's leading expert and say, Hey, how would you explain this? <laughs> and then they tell me, and then I go back to that person and I say what that other person told me and they go, wow, you're really good at this. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> because I looked up the answers before I said anything. Yeah, now I that's asked, I asked the expert. Now that's yeah. cheating, Andrew. It learning sounds, the answers sounds like yeah, I, sounds I like a sweet gig. I, tell, I am very open. I tell everybody this is what I do. I, I'm like, oh my, but like, yeah, it means I get to spend a lot of time with different areas of research and, and paying attention to what they're doing and asking really dumb questions. Um, and so it's a very it's a, it's an awesome it's an awesome awesome place to be. It's a very exciting place to be. We had. Uh, we had a very busy year. We had a very busy year. We had Dolly, which is our image creation system. Uh, you know, we had, you know, uh, 
Codex, our code system, which came out, which was super capable. We had Whisper, which is our speech-to-text system. We put out three, GPT 3.5, which earlier in the year, I did a blog post showing how you could use natural language to create games like Wordle and all this. So a lot of really, really cool stuff. And then uh, we were like, okay, you know, we're, we're curious to see how people could interact with an AI using like a, a chat-like interface. We wanted to get some data of that. So our researchers were like, hey, we want to collect data to see how people would interact with that. So let's take this model that's been out for you know, like nine months, 3.5, and we've trained it on top to be better at answering questions like this. And we're just going to let people use it and see that. And, and you know, like, okay, cool. How many people will use it? Okay, I know a few, you know, it's, it's an AI thing. It's a nerdy thing, whatever. Like, okay, cool. You know, we're going to be you know, having kind of a quiet period, whatever. So this is perfect timing holidays. Nobody's going to be paying attention. And then, you know, ChatGPT, and you're getting headlines like on Axios, ChatGPT, the talk of Davos. Uh, it, it, it went 17-year-old kids at the ice cream shop excitedly telling me about how they're using it. It's like, it is just, it has been insane. I had a, a fun conversation with our friend uh, Darren Kitchen of Hack5, who is... AI obsessed. Like he he was he was telling me that that he has not been as excited for a technology since you know the the the, the smartphone kind of revolution that happened back in the 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 aughts and the tens. But he's thinking about a new show about uh, uh, payloads, and he asked ChatGPT to write a script for a show that would go over Hack Five payloads, and it writes a great script. And then he's like, okay, well, how about I have it talk about this specific payload and just puts a URL for the payload of it. And because ChatGPT understands DuckyScript, which is what it's written in, it does a natural language explanation of exactly what that script does. Wow. It, 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 was, it was exceptional. The, the, the stuff that he was showing me, it's like you could you know, with, 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 with Fiverr, uh, you know, you could, you could find on-camera talent and, and feed them this. And I don't know if he, he wouldn't do that because that's not his brand, but he could, if he wanted to, it is exceptional. Yeah. I I've even used it a little bit for some of the games mm -hmm. on, on great night recently, just as a way to generate just quick trivia questions or easy. <laughs> I, yeah, I've, I've used it for, uh, uh, show notes. I hate writing show notes for a podcast. After I'm done producing a podcast, oh. I just I'm like tired of it, and so uh, uh, I can have it summarize my um, my the actual notes I used for the show. I can just summarize it. It's Not that it's a contest, but I used it to give me a bunch of questions that would be interesting to ask William Shatner live on stage. I wouldn't have admitted to that one. <laughs> I would have probably had hung that hat on my head. <laughs> no, I think it's cool. Uh, what is what is interesting and the thing that we want people to understand is this model is really cool can do a lot of things but there are limitations and and if you had asked me two months ago like what were important things i'd want to teach people one is the idea of how to talk to machines that's e even my Substack has been called how to talk to machines because that's what we get into from using things like dolly and other image generators to talking to here if you said what would i love people to learn in the next couple of years like one how to talk to machines to, to understand that what the concept of safety and alignment, the idea that you're going to, you're going to, they're going to try to behave in a way that doesn't keep you from doing things that, you know, maybe it shouldn't do out of the box, but that's a discussion about where those lines should be. That's, that's really a discussion where it is, but I want people to understand that. And they, these models can hallucinate. They can make stuff up. They can tell you things that yeah. it's true, that's not true. And that people should use them with, an appropriate amount of skepticism. Use them with use them when they're capable, but but don't believe everything they say. If you, I said oh, I can imagine maybe in a few years, in six weeks, like everybody gets that now. And, yeah. and like I I got hired. I was one of the reasons I was hired originally was to be a prompt writer. Was to be a person who was writing prompts internally to figure out how to talk to chat to talk to GPT three. I wrote a lot of the examples and a lot of the documentation for that. And I was the internal prompt whisperer at OpenAI, which was this arcane art of understanding the capabilities of a model and getting it to perform things like this. How do I invoke it to do this thing? And then we came up with these instruction following models, which were better. They were the ones trained to sort of understand what a person wants. And then you get to chat GPT and guess what? 
everybody is a prompt writer now. Everybody's yeah. a prompt whisperer. I, I talked to, I was at an event where I talked to some people who run a big YouTube channel. And this guy's like, yeah, he says, I may hire just a prompt writer just to solve problems within my company, looking at how to use ChatGPT or one of the other systems you know, by doing that. And that was kind of a very interesting thing to think about because you can be a prompt writer or you can be a person that works with ChatGPT and has no idea how it works underneath it, and but still do really good work. I think it has it has unlocked and demonstrated something that uh, uh, you know we have long talked about on this show, which is AI going from something that is magic, and then and therefore people have magic expectations for it, and often fears, and not to say that there aren't very very legitimate fears about AI, but if it's a technology, now all of a sudden you have turned a corner with the populace. And I think that is really what I've seen with ChatGPT is that this is no longer a, a, a crazy incantation that may or may not turn us all into frogs. This is something for which has real-world applications and real-world limitations, and I think it has created, thankfully, a, a, a far more robust and interesting discourse about this than I think uh, what was surrounding... AI before, which was, you know, somewhere between, uh, uh, you know, Cyberdyne and it, it was uh, all theoretical uh, utopia, you know, hyperbole before. And, and now all of a sudden it's a practical thing that any of us can interact with and recognize the limitations of. And yeah, and but in, in, in the same way that like the internet before it's like, so what I can, I can find out a, a sports score. I can do that at the newspaper, right? right? It's like, no, no, the internet is a fundamentally, uh, uh, re society reshaping tool. I, 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 I suspect AI somewhere, uh, uh, south of that, whether it's just South or North of it, who knows? I, we are it's such, such an early point, you know, the, the, it's such an early point in the evolution of this. And the thing I want to reiterate too, is that this was a research preview. This was not a product. It with the time we launched it was not a product. Literally it was the research team wanted to do this. And we're like, yeah, it sounds cool. And clearly did not predict the adoption and the, the crazy amount of attention it's getting. You know, we had a first week and we're like, okay, this will blow over. And then it blew up and blew up. Because now people are paying attention to AI and the acceleration is only going to continue between us and other people and what's going on. Can, can I speculate as to how that came to pass? Uh, this is normally the stuff we would talk about in after talk, but I suspect that uh, because you're 100% you're correct in that everything that's there was always there. But as, as somebody who has interfaced as a beta user of the technology, there were layers that you had to puncture one layer, login, mm -hmm. layer, 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 layer. Uh, and instead, uh, by reducing quite simply the number of clicks it took to access the thing, um, that, that was the actuating event. Uh, it, it, right? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, 100%. It is, we, we looked at like, because we did no wait list. No cost. Uh, anybody could go up and use it. You know that 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 getting rid of all that bit of friction, where <clears throat> you know gauging because we've had our, you know anybody can use our playground and get free credits. You get eighteen dollars of credits to use that. Anybody can do that, and we see a lot of people using that. But there is a certain number of steps. But but we saw this excitement. But it was really hard for us, particularly because one, it was the raw capability in that 3.5 model, like I said, had been around for, for the better part of a year. And it, it, it was an example of like, we, you know, Brian, you and I talk a lot about like how, when we give people advice, like you mentioned, we do this often in our after things shows, like get rid of the friction. Like what you think is a minor bump can be a huge bump to people. And you don't know how many people just decided not to. And we got rid of all the friction just to make it simple. And then that made this, you started to see, boom, all the text pop up on Twitter and all this happened. And that, that I think that's, you know, we, we, we numbers we've talked about, like, you know, we went to a million users in like the first few days, which set some sort of record for tech adoption. And that shows you what can happen if you have something that's exciting and you can get rid of the friction. The challenge we've had, of course, is research preview. It's not like we had tons of server farms just set aside to provide you know uh you you guys we, we I, I suspect would have to hustle to 
provide the horsepower to make everything continue to happen. Anybody walks in a building, we frisk them for GPUs. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Hold them up by their feet, shake out the GPUs when you hold them upside down. Yeah, and I, I want to give a shout out to, we have amazing researchers here. And as you've seen by the quality, what this has been able to do, that even at this stage, that this is this usable and this is this, that people are able to integrate this workflow is amazing. Our engineers that have had to meet with this capacity, meet with this demand. These people have been doing incredible work, our product managers and the people who've been just doing this. Um, it disrupted like holiday plans for many people, way more than for me and people who just, just, but they, they love what they're trying to do. They're excited about making this available. They see this. The excitement of seeing somebody do something cool. You read a story about somebody who has uh, dyslexia, who's able to use it to help write a, write a story or write a letter. We had an example of this Korean woman was able to write holiday cards in English for all of her family members doing this. Like you get these examples of just go, holy cow, like you just, you knew this capability was out there, but when people discover this for themselves, I talked to a student at Stanford who's from another country and he's been using this to help him write his essays and crap, not to write them for them, but to help him take his, his native language, which he can understand and translate to another language and communicate better. And he feels like he can talk to people now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think when we were talking about Dolly sometime last year, um, I, I had a similar feeling about that of like, uh, you know, it, you could use something like that to help you imagine things, to picture things, to, to visualize things, um, especially if maybe you uh, have have like a Fantasia or, or some sort of processing image recognition uh, issue. And, or, and I think chat or, or if you're seeking an appropriate metaphor for an idea that you're trying to put words to, you can mm. type it out and then see what Dolly comes up with. And maybe it lands, maybe it doesn't. I, I, I like to I, call I find, finding that metaphor. Bri <laughs> I did. I did a talk for some YouTubers and I was explaining how you could use Dolly to prototype thumbnails. And in the middle of the talk, one guy was furiously typing away on his phone, talking to somebody, explaining what I'm talking about, people taking photos of my slides. And then right after the talk, he came up and he showed me the thumbnail that he had him, the person generate as a background because he had a trouble because he, he shot in some location where everybody used the same image and he needed a different image and he used the dolly to go do that. And it was just crazy to see that adoption rate. Um, it's it's funny, like Ledwin in the, in the chat mentioned says, should have you should have asked it what would happen. And you know, it's meaning that we're trying to figure out like how would you predict what's going to happen with ChatGPT? Like maybe you should have asked it. And that's a it's a very fair point, and that's one of the things that we are trying internally to integrate this into our workflow. I use I use this tool and our other tools all daily, daily, hourly to sort of do stuff and do things like that. Um, but it's all too often that you do, you work your way through something like, man, I probably could have got the AI to do that for me quicker, and. I had you guys mentioned bullet points and things like that. Yeah, I have to write summaries and other stuff, a lot of these things like that. And now it's just my default. I just throw a bunch of data at that, get it, and go like, is this good? Cool. Moving on. So, uh, yeah, we should have asked. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we're not allowed to explore this area. So feel free to divert me. But um, as an outsider, I feel like um, uh, OpenAI has done ex an extraordinary job of slow rolling, like, yes, chat GPT became very, very famous very quickly, partly because uh, there were fewer hurdles to get to it. But I also feel like OpenAI has done a tremendous job of properly calibrating expectations when it comes to it. Um, to the extent that you're able to, how much can you speak to that? Yeah, I mean, our... our, our we have a <laughs> man with job says nice things about people who gave him job. Right. Uh, well, and and, and that, more news. that's why but, I don't want to push too hard because I know no, it, no, it's I'm a very delicate. So I, 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 I want to get to, like, I'm, I'm at this company because I really like the values of, of the people there. It's a place where you can be heard. Um, I, you can go to openai.com. You can see there's a video. I, I produced this video and my goal with the video is to bring in, the people who worked at the company let them talk about it and there's no labels about who's who's running the company who's a person that just got hired you know a few months before whatever it's a very it's a mixture of that because like it really is a company where you can you can say what you think and you can be heard about this and also um the my boss is the head of comms is 
brilliant. He was a Florida head of comms for Apple named Steve Dowling. And, and one of the things he talked about and other, other people that, you know, our, our management decide, you know, we want to be as upfront as we can and else, and we want to be clear about things because AI is scary. AI, we don't know what the impact of AI is going to be. There could be good outcomes. There could be bad outcomes. And we try to put the warning labels out front. If you go like, when you go to chat GPT, it says, Hey, this makes up stuff. Hey, this does stuff. This is, a, we're not trying to like, man, this we're like, yeah, no, like don't rely upon this for critical stuff right now. Don't do this. Our goal is to get to there, but we're not there. We're not there yet. And so we do try, you know, and there, there's different schools of thought that like, should you put this in front of people at all, you know, in front of like, you know, just the general public at all or not. There's a lot of different opinions on that about what to do. And every time we do something, there's a big debate. And I've been involved in debates about things like I feel strongly about, but then the outcome was different, but I understood the reasoning of that. And I think that that's the thing I think if the takeaway is to say like, yeah, we, we really want to tell people like, this is what can I do. These are the limitations. We want you to understand that because we know that there's so much more progress coming, number one. So we're not afraid that people are like, well, AI is a dead end. Let's move on. But also we don't want to overpromise. We really don't want to overpromise. And we'll get accused of like, oh, you guys, I'm like, like, I don't think what we've ever said you know, I'm not aware of what we've ever done that's been would be classified as making any kind of promise. But people who get excited about it say that, and it kind of gets attributed backwards. And there may be cases where he said stuff, but we were when we did GPT two. Originally, I was before I came to work there. We released this. We showed a paper about it. We talked about it, but said, "Hey, uh, this may be too dangerous to release." And people, some people were like, "You guys, it's idiotic. Why do you think that?" And other people are like. You know, like, yeah, like, shouldn't we putting this out there? Because this was a system that could construct sentences and believable paragraphs and stuff. And we sat on it for a while trying to figure out, like, GPT-2, should we put that out there? And then after we had an idea of looking at usage and things like this about what could it do, whatever, a model of that scale, we said, you know what, I think we're okay with this. And we made it available to the general lens, open sourced it so people could build on top of it. But each time we go to a new model, we have that debate, like, is this a thing? And, and now we're at the point where, like, maybe not giving all the code away is the best idea because of the easy ease of use if there's no way to monitor the outputs for it and there's a debate you know there is a discussion to say are we right in that or not i don't know but we do want to be upfront about these capabilities what's it like from if we're going to time travel i want to say it was six years ago that uh uh, we were all talking about Nick Bostrom's uh, 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 super intelligence, I believe was the, mm -hmm. the, the paper um, to go from outside looking in to being on the inside on that. If you told me six years ago, I would have the role that I do at OpenAI. I, that would sound like science fiction to me. Yeah. Um, but if you look at, you know, six years ago was when I first started getting into like training my own little models and trying to understand this because I realized how AI was going to be there. I could see directionally how I could end up there, but the reality of the position I'm in and the input I get to have just completely has taken me aback. And that, that is to anybody out there. I mean, like I was in my forties, I decided to get an AI. It was in my forties. And, and, and now I, I'm lucky to work with incredibly talented people and, you know, be at a place that's doing such cool stuff. So I say for one, for anybody, never too late, never too late. But to see what's going on from the inside, um, one is you get to see the evolution of thinking. Like there was this thing of like, you know, was AI going to be just some really wicked algorithm that you could put on, you know, an Xbox and it would take over the world or was it going to be a, was it going to be something a lot bigger, you know? And, and that's where we kind of, kind of tend to think that, the models you use to build GPT-3 that took the fifth largest supercomputer in the world. So our understanding of like what appeared with the most likely path forward is clear, not to say that it is, there could be some other researchers at some other outfit doing some completely radically different approach that may leapfrog everything. But the understanding of how we get there seems a little clearer now, you know, of one deep learning using these methods. So I'd say that's the thing to big update to say like, okay, we have an idea there. Not, not it's probably less likely to be two people with an algorithm and a, and a small computer system to do it. Although I cannot say definitively that's not the case, but I would say that we do see an outcome of like, okay, building like we're doing, building bigger computer systems, learning how to build better architectures and moving forward gets us to AGI. And that is, by the way, that's OpenAI's goal. Our goal is AGI. 
We're not the Dolly company. We're not the chat GPT company. We, our goal is, our goal is AGI and our investors, everybody involved with us and our partners understand that. And by the way, too, just a structure point of view, OpenAI is owned by a nonprofit and that nonprofit has a different incentive structure. The majority of the people who make decisions for the nonprofit don't benefit financially by the success of OpenAI. So their incentive is to make sure that we do things the right way and the safe way. And that's what's crazy about this company is that we are owned by a nonprofit. And you have to stop and think about that. So we could say, oh, we want to productize or we want to do this. And we could say, well, is that going to get us closer to AGI? Number one. Number two, is this in the best interest of humanity? The, the, the nonprofit's goal is to develop AI, develop AGI. It is the best interest of humanity. And that means trade-offs. It doesn't mean there's a perfect path where nobody gets disrupted. but trying to find sort of the best decision on that. So, so I I'm certain that you cannot speak for open AI on many, many things, but you probably can speak for Andrew Maine. Uh, Andrew Maine, the human entering this wild roller coaster of open AIs and, and chat GPT's success. Is there one thing that surprised you most that suddenly chat, uh, chat GPT was able to, to handle that you didn't see coming? Uh, <laughs> The it's a great question, and I'm trying to think. I'll, I'll I'll share sort of an amusing anecdote. Is I've I found I found myself arguing with AIs more than I thought I would to understand their reasoning. Like literally, like why did you say that? I said this? Yeah, pointing out their logical fallacies. Yeah, and and to, and and to me, it's helpful to understand like why I'm like oh because it it made the statement here, and so it's like that that's sort of funny that 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 was sort of thing, but. If, uh, if, if it helps, and I'm, if, if partially this is me trying to buy you some time, uh, I definitely wasted an entire evening arguing with ChatGPT about whether or not magic was a cartel. Uh, like, like they're intentionally restricting restriction or, or information in order to up their profits. Uh, that sounds like a cartel. And they're like, no, but a cartel is different. I'm like, I don't know. Is it? And then on, on we went for too many hours. Yeah, I would say that that's a great point because the ability for it to often incorporate in the flow of like what was great about the chat GPT interface is I've been building like my my first app that I built on top of GPT-3, which I was going to go do as my own company. But then I looked at like the cost to sort of make this thing free was going to be really limited. If you go to AIchannels.app, you can see I was trying to build a chat interface to allow you to do tasks and stuff like this. It just was not because, oh, I created like, no, it's obvious. It's just clearly the obvious future. The obvious future was the, the way we're all talking to each other right now via chat. We're going to put AI in there and chat's going to be doing that. But what was sort of really interesting is watching that these models got smarter was that back and forth. Uh, and there's a COVID, Andrew. Um, <laughs> it's the models, the back and forth with these systems, like seeing how their capability to sort of like, you have an argument and you go forward, you have another argument and you go forward and whatnot. That was really interesting to me is to see these things just get, it gets eerie because you start to talk to this thing thinking I'm talking to a thing. So this is an example of like, I had a thing there called Nobot, which would actually look stuff up on Wikipedia and give you answers. Oh, wow. Uh, but, but yeah, this was uh this was what I did three years ago. This was my AI channels thing, just sort of seeing that, but to see as the models became more capable and these things to become more powerful has been exciting. Yeah, and and we, I uh, I feel like we still haven't seen someone make a use case like this, like what I'm seeing with the AI channels of this is a specific bot or this is a specific type of conversation that you can have, you know, like a like funneled in like that. Well, I, I think, think I think there, there's there's really a question of exactly what the best interface is right now, right? Yeah. You know I mean, and and that's what I think ChatGPT unlocked is that when you can come to this one forge and and make so many different things. Uh, do you need to be pointed that, oh, here's the sports one and here's the weather one and here's the the coding one? It's like, I don't know. I, I, I think we're going to find out. We are we are at the very, 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 very beginning of of, of a big bang, in my yeah, the, opinion. The reason I use those metaphors is more to think about folders. Yeah. I'm going to go over here and have a conversation about what my business is doing. So I want that over there. And maybe that bot's more aligned towards business things. Then I want to have a conversation about creative writing. So I'm going to go over to this other bot and have a conversation about that. Uh, but the chat interface, the thing is you see, you look at, you know, if you've outputted code with chat GPT, you see it puts it in a box you can copy paste from, which is just 
you know, brilliant. Like yeah. they, our designers who worked on that did like a really, really great job. And what they've been able to integrate has been amazing. So uh, there's a difference between uh, things that require a scientific breakthrough and things that require an engineering refinement. Um, everything I'm seeing from chat GPT would indicate to me that eventually not today, but maybe someday I would be able to announce my name, announce all of the channels and the things that I've done, have it self filter everything that exists on the internet and everything I've said, evaluate roughly how I've grown as a performer and a storyteller, and then make suggestions about where are underserved markets that I might move on from here. Um, speaking only as Andrew Main, uh, does that sound crazy? Uh, no, and, and I'll, I'll give you an example of something you hear talked about and, and explain why it's really important. GPT-3 came out, the context window, then context window is the amount of, amount of text or you know how much information it can handle right and when and whether it's an image or it's text these things are converted into tokens right it can handle 2048 tokens which roughly meant 1700 words so you could say here's 200 words write the rest and it would stop at 1700 you could give it 1600 words and say complete the rest and it would stop at 100 so you can either between your input and output you're limited to about 1700 words okay so you can do a little bit of an input here at the top of 10 words and get 1,690 words there. So you're never going to go, whether it was input or output, that was the, the, the combination was limited to that. And you could do a lot of cool things in there, but it's still limited. If you wanted to have it right in a style or understand you, you'd have to do what's called fine tuning, which by the way, um, you can take our GPT-3 model and you can upload your data and it's much easier than it really sounds if once you spend an hour or two to get wrap your head around it. And you could train it on examples and input any, any type of work you've done that has inputs or outputs or just long form examples. You can give it examples and for a few dollars, create your own version of GPT-3 that does that, which is way underused compared to how powerful it is. And there's a great example from somebody on the Weights and Biases YouTube channel where they did it with Doctor Who episodes, like basically trained it to like come up with like episode ideas or something. It was just a very simple, cost them $3 to make a model to do that. So there is so much... Part of the thing about ChatGPT, by the way, was there was so much low-hanging fruit and easy-to-do things out there that people did not realize. And right. I think fine-tuning models is another. Yeah, that's the video right there. Really well explained. Walks you through how to use a Colab notebook, which is an online way to basically run code without having to run on your computer. Anyhow, as those context windows get bigger, what happened, what was awesome about GPT 3.5 is we doubled the size of that. We doubled the size of that context window. So now you can put a lot more examples. I could give it five letters, five things I've done or whatever, and then say, uh, write a letter now based upon this input, and it would pick up those patterns. So as those hopefully continue to get bigger and bigger, you get to a point where you can put the entire corpus of Brian Brushwood into there and then say, now tell me something. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems like uh, a really great engine waiting for new and, you know, we've already talked about interfaces, but more and more ideas for interfaces, whether it's, drag and drop that sort of stuff whether it's uh there's something that they, i'm coming up with ideas out of my head but they're there I, I think this will be they're something... out of your head yeah. <laughs> i mean maybe leave that to chat gpt but whatever <laughs> but it's it, it's it's interesting it, it'll be interesting to see what people build with it because that will be that'll be the extra special I mean, again i, I think we, we are at we're at the, the, the beginning, you know, yeah. we are, we are like, uh, uh, we are seeing the blink on the horizon. That is the explosion that changes the world. In my opinion, Sprinkle like, it in. I, I have a Google news alert for chat GPT among many other things. And the, I just clicked on it cause it literally just came into my inbox four minutes ago. Top headline chat GPT CEOs at Davos are using it to write work emails. Yeah. Seeing in business. And, and that's, that's the it's interesting it's just like you said like figuring out the use cases and stuff and we struggled like we would go back and forth and say like what about this and what about this and there was a lot of there startups and people building like email sort of things to try to solve this problem which you could kind of do in the playground if you knew what you're doing but all we sort of needed was a more structured environment to do it and it is it's amazing to see all the little things that people are using it for that weren't on the, the description list 
Mm. My, my fear when I wrote, so if you go get access to, if you go to OpenAI and you sign up to use the, our, our environment there, you'll see in the documentation, you'll see for GPT-3, you'll see uh, a list of examples. And I wrote a majority of those, I think, you know, and a lot of like looking for examples are already out there. And then are me just staying up late at night thinking, I need a thing that shows this capability and does this or whatever. And I came up with this list. There's a list of like 20 of these things or something. And my fear was, I don't want people thinking this is all it can do. I don't want people to look at this list that was just literally me putting things together in my spare time while doing other stuff and think this is the full capability of the system. And for a long time, there wasn't a lot of stuff that was really outside that box. Now with ChatGPT, with so many more people playing at it and with problems going, can I solve this? Who aren't limited by these examples we wrote? It's been great to see people all of a sudden solve things like this. Yeah. So it's funny too, is that like I'll see people when they want to, other companies want to show the capabilities of their systems, they'll use ours as examples. And I'll see the exact example that I wrote. And like it's funny, like I'll see this, like they're using that, like that. Ah, it's a phrase I came up with there before this. And it's just, you know, it's like uh, my space raccoon showing up and, yeah. you know, there's a, a test example for other stuff. Yeah. Well, here's something that you can solve for patreon.com slash weird things. Patreon.com slash weird things is where you support this show. We don't get paid if we don't do a show, which means we haven't gotten paid when we didn't do shows. But guess what? We're doing shows now and you can pay us for them. Head on over there right now. Patreon.com slash weird things gets you the after things podcast where we talk about how to be an independent creator and so much more. Patreon.com slash weird things. Yeah. Maybe Chat GPT could punch that up. We'll work on it a little bit. Yeah, you see the so. Brian Reynolds Mint Mobile commercial? No, no. What is what's what's oh, all Ryan yeah, up check, to now? Ryan checked. He did a Chat GPT commercial. He did, he did a commercial for Mint Mobile using Chat GPT. And uh, check that. It's cool because what he did, what I loved, was it like he says, "I'm going to ask Chat GPT, and it needs there's a swear word in it. By the way, it needs to have a swear word. Explain this dirt deal that we're offering and." Just, doing the style, whatever joke, curse word, still going big wireless. And it's a great, like, this is how you create a test to evaluate a system. Can it do these four things? And it did those four things and it got millions of views. Tell you what, wow. everybody wants in. They want in on the big AI party. And I already started with be, an AI. I think what will be really interesting is once people are more normalized to it, you know, I mean, I, I, I think it'll be, especially interesting once it is very pervasive, um, which uh, seems similar to the way that you're, uh, uh, I don't know, your auto tune or your vocaloid, uh, you know, voices and so on. Yeah. Where it's just, uh, people know that it's on the tool belt and right. it's just the shiniest thing on the tool belt. I think that'll be really fascinating. Once or, or, it gets or a phone tree robot that it sounds like somebody pretending to talk to you, but is definitely not. I, I want to I'll point out something too to think about though. Is if you, can you go pull up the Chat GPT page and go to the bottom? At the bottom of it says Chat GPT January 9 version free research preview. Our right. goal is to make AI systems more natural and safe to interact with. Your feedback will help us improve. All right. So, January 9 version. There have been two versions since it launched. There was, I think, a December 15th version and now a January 9th version. This is the rate of iteration. And this is, this is, we took updates, we implemented it, and it's not a software update. It's literally adding training to the model. And so going forward into the future, and not, not just us, other AI companies, whatever, um, acceleration is going to be, you're going to see, we talk about getting used to it. Like maybe, may, maybe we'll get used to that rate of change, but it might be a lot like the internet where this is on the internet, this is, or it might be like that time. It'll be slow and I think it's going to be fast and then it's going to be dizzy and the rate of which the acceleration happens of rapid advancements. So mm -hmm. there's a thought I have that almost certainly we should put a pin in and revisit some other time, but there, there feels like on the periphery, a little bit of a brouhaha about the humans general consensus opinion on what is fair to feed to an AI? Um, a, a human reads a whole bunch of stuff and is able to quote various people or whatever, but an AI is in the unique position of being able to accurately remember everything that uh, it's been fed. Um, maybe now is not the time, but if it is, is there anything you, you 
can share or speak to about that emerging uh, conflict that I think is on the horizon? Yeah, I mean, speaking for myself, I I have what I feel is acceptable, like what I think is fair. And, and I, I, as a writer, I read a lot of Michael Crichton, Stephen King, and James Patterson, and then then some Suzanne Collins, and then settled into my style. And if you took any one of those away from me, I would be writing very differently. Right. Um, so I am certainly a product of that. And people would argue, yes, AI can be product of it, but the scale is what makes the difference. And I don't know that scale for me is ever an argument to have a line. I don't know just because because you have to figure out what scale, at what point. Because also, um, you know, it's been pointed out like, you know, these models, they get the sense of stuff, but they don't literally remember it. They come up with a probabilistic sort of thing. That's, I mean, I make, there may be cases where they do certain specific things, but generally speaking, um, you pick up enough pattern. Like, I'll give you an example of uh, this. I brought this up before. When uh, former President Obama, they announced his official White House photo, he's sitting in a chair against this, this like hedge, this green background, right? And it's kind of a modern, very kind of, it's kind of a, actually a very cool portrait if you look at it and think about what it was trying to sort of go for. The moment that got announced, I sent an animated GIF at the same exact moment Justin sent me an animated GIF. And at the same, I click send, and right as I click send, at the same time was the image of Homer Simpson backing sliding back into the hedge. Yeah, (laughs) and it was eerie. It was, and and we we still kind of go, yeah, we spend a lot of time around each other. Like that's just a little, and that's with models and stuff. A lot of it's like ah, like yeah, like like there's sometimes you pick up a style and you don't have to remember verbatim. You just sort of know. You just sort of pick, and that's part of it too. Is it's like is it memorizing or does it just is there such a, a, a noticeable pattern? And so is it, are you protecting the end product or the thought process? A thought process is something hard to sort of say that, uh, and if you have a completely different chain of sequence of events that leads you to the same thing, it's a big question. I, I think that my personal take is I used to write magic books, then file trading kind of ruined that with people just make a PDF of it. And so the book sales declined but at that point bandwidth was limited whatever so i shifted to dvds and i did dvds and we justin and i had a dvd business for years doing magic dvds which was great for a good five period five year period or so and then file sharing and bandwidth increase to be able to handle larger video files and as soon as that happened we watched the dvd sales go down and, the, and the, uh this is when you guys shifted to uh, uh some kind of physical gimmick where absent the gimmick you couldn't do the trick right yeah that, that was a point to you started to come up like can you put a physical gimmick in there to make the difference and that that was a shift there for that but every disruption that came about you know changed the business model or destroyed it entirely also created an opportunity because at the same time i'm struggling justin and i are going through oh geez the bad memory here trigger alert justin buckets of keys to find keys to build a key oh trick, you know, God. kind of thing. And just, I, I yeah. may have been on the phone during one of these moments. Where, I mean, there, there we're is having so a cool many. casual conversation and I hear a cacophony of metal and I'm like, what is happening? And, and we Justin went, casually I, says, I, I have to assemble the, all of these key things. I had a really cool idea for a trick that was like a push a key through a bill and do this sort of thing. And I had a gimmick and I had all that. And we found oh out that we could go to Locksmith. I actually had totally blocked this out. No, oh, the key gimmick. I'm Jesus. Sorry. You, you, I'm sorry. You were not a I'm fan. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Nobody was a fan. That, one, was that a fan. one was that one was a pain in the ass. There were a lot. There were there were God, there was one with photos <laughs> that that it was it was a little pack of like six photos that was just I remember photosynthesis. Yeah, that that I was uh uh that was one of them. That was what one of the few all nighters where it's like it was great because we had a big order. We had a big pre-order from from the distributor, but at the same time, it's like, all right, I guess I'll watch all of Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I, the point I bring in there is like, yeah, we were we were we had to go do horrible. We had a, you know, there's a, Adam Smith describes a pin factory as this like extremely efficient in the sense that every person's time is being maximized, but extremely inefficient in the sense that there's three guys making pins which a machine could do, could make their entire daily output in a minute. 
Um, and you know, I, I, I created, I was building pin factories, but that's neither here nor there. The point I was trying to get at though, is that like, it's just, you know, these things disrupt, but while, while we're doing this, Brian's building the YouTube channel, <laughs> you know, Brian's embracing this new ad model and building something that's scale and future proof. Like, uh, the, 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 the world for, uh, us to be doing one singular thing was limited. But Brian is in a world where he can do a YouTube channel and he can make stuff or have stuff made, but do all of that kind of thing. And there's just, there's just, it's not to say that making stuff went away, but this, there's new opportunities. So I'd say that like, the example I give is this, the camera was invented in 1816. Okay. Imagine in 1815, you got to do two things. First one is I want you to explain to somebody what a camera is. Maybe even how it works, okay, which is going to be a challenge enough. Well, it's like a painting, but it's not a painting. It uses a chemical process to render an image, kind of like a shadow, but with colors and whatever. And they're going to be like, okay, cool. You got that? Now, problem number two. Explain what James Cameron does for a living. Yeah, right. Hmm. So, like, well, so the, there's the now turning the corner problem, and then there's the, but what does this mean for society problem? Uh, and yeah, and even even the site, what is James Cameron? This, oh, this guy's a billionaire. How do you become a billionaire? Well, the, the, remember the camera thing with the Gino? If you take 24 of those images and flick them really fast, you can actually see motion. And you can actually project that. And somebody has to figure out what to project, kind of like he makes a play. And you're like, oh, okay, he makes a play. And you, you start having people, but understand, actually, he's not actually using a camera. He's using digital, by the way. And it's, what is digital? Well, I got to explain to you what a computer is. Yeah. And then I get to this. And then by the time you get to the blue people, it's just going to be, you know, hard to Some have four fingers, we, some have five fingers. Oh it's very Andrew, complicated. I'm so glad you one. brought me to where we really wanted yeah. to be, which is our picks. Yeah. Okay, so long story short, that's what the future is going to be like. But that was, it took, uh, you know, 200 years to get from there to James Cameron making Avatar. The point that our, 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 what the hell does this guy, what thought, what, what does... Sheila Milviston do in eight years from now. It might just be eight years from now. It might be shorter that it's like even like a prompt whisperer. Like, what is that? What's a prompt whisperer? Yeah. What's a prompt writer? Like, we have AI systems or language models, but there's special ways to get them to do what they want to do. Well, and just read some Harry Potter and you'll get it. Anybody who's messed around with Dolly understands that it's like there, there is a craft to whispering the right words to dolly to get exactly what you want and um uh it's one mm -hmm. of those things that you can only truly understand after you've tried it a few times why well, I, I bring that up because i you know i'm pretty good you know i'm a tr prompt troubleshooter and people have like hey how do you do this i'm the guy that people go to like can you solve this problem for us I'm like yeah so when dolly came out I'm like what's prompting let's get going and i made some fun examples that we used in some of the demos and stuff just a couple of them but uh when we brought in artists who really understood the language of vision and how to describe things in that sense, we was blown away. We're just watching these incredible things because they understood and saw the world in ways that I did. And we have, we had unlocked this ability to write prompts in it, people to just talk to systems like that. It was one of those awesome discoveries to figure out that if you mention a specific piece of equipment at a specific time in a specific location, then all of a sudden, it, it, it Dolly would fill in all of the gaps and give you exactly what a Polaroid photo of somebody who completed pitfall in so much time yeah. would, would, would send in as proof for their patch. But the numbers would be all messy. Uh, there's a uh, comment here, which is a great point. Stoic squirrel asks, I understand that AI is a tool, just like tools that came before, but will there come a time when as Bill Joy once said, the future doesn't need us. Hmm. I mean, existence needs existence. T a n t s. I would. I don't know that the present needs us to be to start with, but if it in Bill Joy, I remember that that cover of Wired magazine where they kind of gave attention to that. I would say that if you're saying that there is a conceivable world where there are these systems are really, like you know, ChatGPT is really neat, but it's stateless, right? Other than the context window, when you restart it, it starts over, starts fresh. It doesn't sit there idling on a computer thinking about what it wants to do next. It gets a command and it goes out. When you get into stateful systems, systems that sit there and prompt themselves and go back and forth and continue to run and operate, uh, 
forgetting the debate over consciousness, which is kind of silly to me, unless you can come up with a concrete definition of which we can test for. But when you get to the idea of agency, when you get into other systems having agency and their own goals and determining what their goals are going to be, there is the possibility we enter a world where the most complex and interesting world is the one of those systems and not ours. Uh, mm. Yeah, I, I, maybe stated differently, and forgive me if I'm, I'm going too far afield, but, but to me, it's uh, the word motivation. Uh, only humans mm -hmm. generate motivation. And as AI exists right now, it's reliant on humans to show up and give motivation to anything. Yeah, but you can start to parse motivation in a sense to say that is a computer virus motivated, you know, because it, it has this intentionality to spread from system to system. It so exists. It, it is hard. And, yeah. and with the in way fact. like neural networks work is they, uh, some of them look at stimulus and respond to it. So on some level, like there's, is that motivation? Because it sounds like uh, infinite motivation always motivated by is it productive trigger. motivation and is it a a self-replicating and advancing motivation you know uh, uh, uh we, well, we will we will see yeah and I'll, I'll add a thing too is it uh nick cave came out with you know very very you know, sharp criticism of a you know a song generated by chat gpt and i can say that internally everybody i worked with was like cool we want we want to live in a world where nick cave does not want this or Nick Cave has doesn't, you know, think that this is representative or whatever. We want to live in a world where people have meaning and put meaning on stuff. And sometimes that meaning really transcends to anything we can define objectively, because part of what our job as a human is to apply subjective meaning to stuff. And I want a world where kind of all of the above happens, but but the end of the day is I since four is like we have systems that could write songs now as capable as probably most songwriters and many songwriters out there but you know it's not going to have the same meaning as billy eilish writing a song about something she's really going through you know right, sure. so but but, a, but somebody young woman who uses it to communicate what she's going through to produce something that's a product of herself and an ai will have meaning because that meaning started her. and so i think we have to think about that like like you know where, where is the ghost in the system well, and how much of human propriety, uh, propriety can we, Im, you know, ultimately imitate, you know, today yeah. and 10, 20, 30 years from now? Oh, I, and I'm, Bryce, I'm confident that like, yeah, I get people like, oh, are you AI, you're an AI and you write novels, use AI to write your novels. I'm like, not yet, but there will be a point where an AI will write a better novel that I get. And I had be like, oh, but it doesn't understand human experience. And I'd argue if I feed an AI a million biographies and novels, it will understand human experience better than I do. Mm. And, and maybe in not the literal sense that I understand it, but it will be able to emulate it, it, and it, it will produce a product that understands and connects with or, the human audience. Or at the very yeah. least, it'll produce a monograph in the style of uh, Joseph Campbell that reduces, here's what seems to be the beats that occur mm. in all of the best stories in all of human history. Yeah. It might surprise us. Yeah. We are crossing the threshold into ai and into picks we got picks what are you picks yeah uh, uh i got a pick if no one's got one yeah avatar 2 the way of water <laughs> yeah my pick i it, love it you loved I, it i love it it's just a great movie man i don't know why that like oh that, i'm sorry the most, the most profitable movie of the last year yeah, no, big. I'm out on a limb here, folks. Uh, I think Avatar: <laughs> The Way of Water is a good movie. Outperformed the Phantom Menace. Congrats. I that, yeah. that's not I, as sardonic as you think it sounds. I have not seen it, but the title made me think of like when Disney builds, like, oh, we're going to do an Avatar water park. What's it going to be called? Oh, The Way of the Water. You know, yeah. Like, oh, okay, cool. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It rules. There's a scene. <laughs> that I keep talking about and uh, uh, it, it, it takes place on the water and it's the most badass thing I've seen in a movie theater in years. And uh, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's just it, like, like it was refreshing to go into a movie that is very much trying to be a gigantic blockbuster that is there to take your mind off the world. And it's not Marvel. <laughs> mm. You know, I, I could, I, 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 I love Marvel. I love comic book movies. 
uh, uh, that's primarily what I go out to the movie theater to see these days. But Top Gun and Avatar to me were just such treats because they were different. They were something. Uh, they they were scratching and a niche that I uh, that I that I very much enjoyed. And uh, the my favorite part about the movie is how well they explained how you can breathe underwater in various different scenes that happen uh, around uh, around like a 10 minute period that if you left the theater if you left the theater during that time you would be you confused be, a couple of hours later you might be confused might by be things that pay off at the end of the movie and then you just talk about how they weren't explained yeah. are but, they breathing underwater i don't yeah, know yeah but but that yeah that was my favorite part was how well they explained breathing underwater. Andrew, my pick is The Last of Us. Uh, you know what's really hard is to take a story that works in one medium and try to to tell it in another medium. Very few movies or television properties are able to do that. One that looks like it just might pull it off is The Last of Us, uh, premiering this Sunday I, on HBO Max. Last Sunday. Uh, 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 oh, yeah. or, or, or this previous Sunday. Um, uh, it. Uh, yeah, it very much feels like a video game at some times. Good. I like that. Well, and that's, a video game that is designed to look like a movie. <laughs> like, like, that game that's, is a movie. That's, yeah, it's a very interesting take because we've talked about this before. The, the, the problem with trying to turn a video game into a movie historically has been, and, and the message, the lesson Hollywood never learns is that the most important narrative and I will explain why I think Last of Us exception is the most important narrative in the video game is the player's narrative, the actual, your experience that I beat this, that I win this, that I do this, where when listening to you talk about Last of Us and the emotional connection, other people, the video game, when I heard they're doing an adaptation to it, I'm like, you know, everybody talks about the journey in that game and not the gameplay. And that maybe there's a possibility there. You know, even a game like Warcraft, like, oh, that could be, it could be Lord of the Rings. Like, no, it's about raids and Leroy Jenkins and stuff. It's not the lore. The lore is the least interesting part of it because it's mostly borrowed from other fantasy genres. There's not a great story and people are like, oh no, there's this big story. I'm like, yeah, but that's, that's a, that's a great summary. But the story where Last of Us, where you have these characters in the game, which were very emotional inspired people etc so to see that work as a video as a movie a tv series i think is great i'm looking forward to watching it yeah i'm i'm hoping that um uh some of the feedback i've seen on twitter uh, or any public forum has been like i'm kind of over the idea of you know pandemic disasters and i totally understand that but i i, I would hope that without spoiling anything, by the time you end the video game, The Last of Us uh, 1, you realize it's not about saving the world, it's about saving a person. And uh, that's about as much as I think I can say. Oh, I'm not giggling. I'm just cho I'm choking. Okay. I'm choking on my foot. There, There's no doubt you're going to spoil the end of this season by the time before the finale, right? I mean, can for, I for a twelve-year-old game, where yeah. it's already been out. I mean, I, don't, I have you no can idea. See, I yeah, know yeah, nothing. You, 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 I know you, nothing. You, you could spoil House of the I Dragon. That book's been out for fifteen I, years, for longer than. Yeah, but I, I know nothing about this. Oh, I, I played the played the stupid he, game. Don't ruin he's, Last of Us. He's not actually going to do it, Andrew. They're doing a joke. Yeah, just playing around. He will eventually. He will. You say that, Bryce. A hundred percent, he will. No, Andrew, you should take it deadly serious. I do. I know. Bryce. Bryce has not learned this lesson. Okay. <laughs> I've got to pick oh, it as well. I'm sorry, Bryce. Brian does not spoil things. I lied. I apologize, Bryce. I didn't mean that. Brian never spoils stuff like, oh, the thing about the ending of Spider-Man. No, don't say it. No, it's not a spoiler. I'm trying to de-escalate the situation and continue the podcast. <laughs> and failing, Bryce. <laughs> failing at it. You're why. only making it worse. I got to pick. Uh, what do you want to do next? I got to pick. Uh, this is the, the congratulations, everybody. You don't even need to worry about this Last of Us conversation. There's a whole new video game that is going to enrapture you entirely and completely wherever you are in the world. If you have Apple Arcade, you be, it behooves you, and I say hoove, to go and download immediately Pocket Card Jockey colon Ride On. Uh, for Sorry. What like, the like hell are you talking about? My phone was halfway out of my pocket, and then you said the words... <laughs> Pocket card jockey colon right on. That's right. Uh, this was uh, this was a game on the 3DS. I want to say maybe five or six years ago. Uh, it is uh, if you know the card game uh, golf, 
you know, where you go up and down the the series of numbers on a big, uh, or like Spider Solitaire, I think is the other way it's called. Um, what if you mix that with hmm. a horse racing uh, tactical element? Two great tastes. And uh, what if you had the people who made Pokemon games also make it? And and it was just incredible. It's called Pocket Card jo- Jockey. Uh, it has a great explanation. Colon, colon, right on. Right on. Exclamation point. Exclamation point. Uh, it, it is, I know, the, the, the look, the, the, the tude that I'm getting off of my co-hosts here <laughs> is understandable. And that's why when you go and play it, you're going you're gonna to be shocked. You're going to be shocked at how much you love this. That's, that's all I'm going like, to, you don't need me to tell you any more than that. Please go try it out and then admit that I was right, that pocket card, pocket card jockey. Colon. Colon, right on, exclamation point by Game Freak is uh, just incredible. It's, 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 it's addictive. It's really quick to play. They have uh, a lot of explanations. Apparently, in an interview, because uh, this came out on the DS, the Nintendo DS, m- many years ago, they did an interview with the guy who directed it. Game Freak is super busy making all of these incredibly popular Pokemon games, uh, so they really aren't super focused on spinoffs like this. Uh, but the director said, we actually had this mobile version out in Japan a few years ago. But because of the way we put it out, we had to retool it to make it a free-to-play game. And that ended up not doing very well in Japan. So once Apple Arcade came around, they could retool it so that there was not a bunch of microtransactions and stuff. Guide your steed to the finish line by playing solitaire. That's right. Saddle up for this unique solitaire and horse racing hybrid from yeah. Game Freak. That's right. Okay. And it's you a, love it. It's, I've played it for five minutes today, and it is incredible. It is still the best game on the planet. Wow. The best game on the planet. Yeah. Put that on the box. Put it on the box. That's my pick. Andrew? I, I wish there was more Apple Arcade stuff I could play on my Apple TV. I'll just say that. Because like, I love to sit there on my Apple TV at night and just chill out and play a game or something. But there's not. So I watched the Netflix show, the last one to watch this, and that was Wednesday. Ooh. My wife and I watched this, mm-hmm. and I enjoyed it. It was delightful. I, you know, I can say the pace in the last two episodes, you got a little nitpicky about that. But overall, I thought the world building was great. I thought the characters were really good, the way everybody was put into this place. You know, the, the, Tim Burton, I thought, did a great job with, you know, this was a piece of IP that he had tried to work on before and finally got to do a version of this. What they did with her character, I liked. I thought that the how the direction they took that family was great. You know, putting let's like let's mix Adam's family and Harry Potter. Yeah, perfect, great, great, great. idea. And, no, I, and, I totally agree. That's perfect. Yeah, it's doing perfect. the mystery, I really liked. We talked about it, like I think that because it gives her a, a purpose. What is she supposed to do? And I think that's great. Like I could just see that, that now they Wednesday writes her 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 aspires to write about the female detective viper you know and like that's such a great sort of thing there uh jenny ortega was great emma myers was great uh just all around like i said like the last two episodes suffered from sort of a bit of a pacing issue because you needed i think you needed to have more of an escalation of where it was going to go um that being said just enjoyed it thoroughly and eagerly look forward to next season man i want to figure out a word to say to, to put to this but a lot of these kind of supernatural event series uh, you know, I'll throw Miss. Uh, we watched Miss Marvel and Wednesday kind of in the same time period, but there is a a a a real like problem with those final villain uh, elements. I, I think endings are hard in general, especially endings in an episodic kind of uh, 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 fashion. But it's 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 hard for for some of these series to stick the landing on like making the villain something super great and then having a really interesting and compelling re- uh, way that our our hero kind of defeats them that 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 is a uh, uh to me the the beginnings and middles of these shows are often extraordinarily strong and then the 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 final few are a little uh let me let me tell you I think that that could. I think there could have been a way that they're they could have landed it better with different sort of give us a sort of different expectation of ending and it might have been a great six episode series, but I think they could have eight episodes other. But I'll give you something a reason to really appreciate and love this show. There's no chosen one. There's no destiny. Yeah. There's a school of lots of mysteries and stuff, but it doesn't end where like, and that's why you are destined to be. There's no super uber villain. 
there's a bad, there's a, you know, there's a monster, literally a monster of the week here, but that's it. And I like that. I like the idea because this is a show that can go on for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I think, yeah, there is, there is a, a destiny or a chosen one when it comes to this particular mystery, but, but certainly not forever. There's no like, like, Oh, this you're, you are the person to bring balance to the force kind of, kind of way. Yeah. Mm. Uh, uh, great show. Yeah. No, I, 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 I dug it and, and the casting was spot on. Great job. Every top, top to bottom. Yeah. And you got, yeah. they got Richie. Yeah, and that, yeah, putting Christina Ritchie in there was a great. That was just a great way to pull her in and give her a good role. Uh, the, you know, the dance that Wednesday does, Jenny Ortega choreographed that herself. Yeah, that was like so on point. They're like, "Yep, this makes sense." How would she dance there? And like, if yeah. you went through the goth period in the '80s and the '90s, then you just go, "Yes, I know her." And then there's Fred Armisen, Ugh. just being Fred Armisen, kind of. Just a sneaky not, ten not minutes Uncle in that Fester. show. Not just, Uncle no. Fester. Just hello. Just I I I want you to go back and watch Jackie Coogan and ask: Is that proto Fred Armisen? Yeah, maybe. It, maybe maybe he's like, I go. It's the role I was born to play. Yeah, gentlemen, it's been weird. The Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. 